Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Shannon Keating. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Quentin. I'm excited to be here. For sure. So uh, just to, I want to give a little context to everybody, Shannon, that uh, is going to be tuning into this episode. So uh, you and I first uh, met each other, I think it was like maybe 2018 when we were both living in Colorado. And uh, I had another podcast at the time called the 127 Fit Podcast that you were on. We had an awesome conversation and uh, I wanted to have you back on because some information that you uh, shared on the last podcast that we did together, uh, I was telling you before I hit record, some of that information really impacted me. I don't think I ever expressed that to you at that time, just probably because of my own, I don't know, immaturity or whatever. But I expressed that to you uh, before we started this uh, recording, and I'm kind of just sharing this out loud so everybody can hear it, that I wanted to have you back on to the Curious and Candid podcast because some of that information that you shared previously with me, just through your own story, really impacted me. So I wanted to have you back on. Thank you for coming on. And I'm going to kind of just jump into some conversation starters. So I've kind of got four questions. We can, you know, take five minutes on them. We can take 50 minutes. It doesn't matter. We're going to work our way through these uh, questions. And then I want to kind of get into your story. Okay. Sounds great. Okay, cool. So uh, I'm curious to know. Now, I remember the last time we had a conversation on a podcast, uh, this first question is, how do you start your day? Do you have any specific routine or ritual that you like to stick to on most mornings or most days? I know previously you had like a two-hour morning routine, and I was pretty blown away by that. So I'm fascinated or interested in how your morning routine is the same, how it's different, how it's evolved. Oh, I love this question. And I think it's I think it's condensed in time since we last spoke. <laughs> it's definitely still very particular. I have a series of things I do every single morning. And for me, I like it because I just know, okay, I wake up and I do these things. And maybe they change slightly in the time and duration, but the actual things I do is is very similar. And it just for me, it it grounds me in the morning. It sets my day up well. And if I don't do them, I feel off in my day. So I really like starting my day this way. So pretty much I wake up and I always make my bed. First thing, I'm a big fan of a clean room, making your bed. So that's the first thing I do is I make my bed. I go into the bathroom and I do tongue scraping. Have you heard of tongue scraping? Uh, I have not. Why don't you explain it to me? <laughs> okay. So tongue <laughs> scraping, you can use basically either like a copper or a metal little scraper and you scrape the film off the top of your tongue because while you're sleeping, your body goes through all these detoxification processes. And then you'll have this film of essentially junk on your tongue. So a lot of people will like brush their tongue with their toothbrush or things, but I really like the tongue scraping method. And that comes from, I believe Ayurvedic practices. So I do my tongue scraping, brush my teeth a little bit, and then I go into the kitchen, I make my water. So my morning water, I put electrolytes in there, lemon juice, filtered water. I have a huge glass of it. And then I go right into meditation. And the first thing I do is I listen to a self-hypnosis and, or you can think of it as just affirmations, but it's in my own voice. <laughs> so I create affirmations pretty much every quarter or twice a year that I really want to be thinking about kind of putting into my subconscious. So I'll listen to those. 
Then I'll get up, I'll do a little meditation, maybe pull some Oracle cards or journal a little bit for messages or guidance for the day. And then after that, I go into the bathroom and I do what's called dry brushing, which is another Ayurvedic practice and you use like a dry body brush. And do you know what about dry brushing? <laughs> No, I just, I just, I just love the, the tongue stuff, the scraping and it's just good. No, I, I don't know anything about all this stuff. <laughs> okay. So dry brushing is basically use this dry bristle brush and you brush your body like all around your body in the length of your lymph. It's really good for again, detoxification, lymphatic system, health, overall, just health and wellness, really good for just skin, you know, getting off old skin, all that kind of stuff. Um, I love that practice. And then from there, I play music, I get dressed, I'll have breakfast, I'll go on a walk, I'll kind of start my day, but it's always in that order of those things. And I just love it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I know the, I know one thing for sure that is the same from the last time is, uh, the, like the, the affirmations in your own voice. I, I do remember that now talk to me a little bit about like, uh, cause I, I had a, um, uh, a guest on earlier in the week, I released her episode and she talked about you know, this concept of, of grounding as well. We didn't, I didn't really ask her to get into the details, but I want to ask you because it's kind of a reoccurring theme, I guess, in, in my life and some conversations I have with people. So when you refer to grounding, what is, what does that kind of mean uh, generally speaking? And then what does it mean specifically for you, Shannon? Yeah, I guess grounding. Okay. So generally speaking, I feel like we spend so much time in our heads mm -hmm. thinking about things, absorbing information, reading, talking, analyzing. We're just such a cerebral society. And oftentimes when we're spending so much time in the thoughts in the head, we're not actually in our bodies and connected to ourselves and just really rooted in the present moment. So I feel like grounding is really anything that you can do, any practice that gets you out of your head a little bit into your body back into the present moment. So that could be going out into nature. A lot of people like to do barefoot outside or just practice noticing your feet on the ground. It could be exercise. It could be, I mean, there's grounding mats and different things people use to just get them more in their body. It could be dancing. It could be a number of things. I find something physical, whether it's nature, being physically outside of nature or doing something physical in your body can really ground you. And then for me personally, I definitely like those practices and just anything I can do to bring me back in the moment. So focusing on my feet or placing, you know, a hand on my heart or on my stomach or drinking something tangible. You know, I'm right now I'm holding a a tea mug. So anything that can just get me back in my body, I find to be really grounding and supportive. Hmm. Awesome. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite book of all time, or maybe there's a book that you've read recently that's really had a huge impact on you kind of however you want to take that, uh, Shannon? Oh my goodness. Quentin, I'm not a big reader and <laughs> it's probably- it's probably kind of surprising because with all the things I'm into, you would think that I'm a big reader and people are constantly telling me to read different books. And I know all the titles of all the books. I'm just not a big reader, but I will share. There's two books. One book that I listened to an audiobook recently this last year that I really, really enjoyed. And then one book that I read pretty much at the start of my self-love journey that really catalyzed me to learn how to love myself. So kind of going um, 
in sequential order. The first one that I read about six years ago was The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein. And it was just, I mean, it's, she's simple. She's powerful. It's all about the universe supporting you, about you being able to make choices between love and fear. And it just, those concepts really changed the way I thought about things. I recognized, oh, I have a choice around the negative thoughts I'm thinking. I don't have to be believing them. I can choose different thoughts. I can choose to love myself. It was such a new concept for me. So that book really helped me. And again, it's simple. There's a lots of personal examples. You can get through it pretty quickly. So I love that book. And then most recently was a book by a woman named Jenna Kutcher called How Are You Really? And I listened to that one on Audible. I listened to that one last year on Audible, right when I was moving to San Diego. And I think I'm going to re-listen to it now, maybe six months later, because it's it's so good. She has such a warm, down-to-earth friend type of energy. And there are just all sorts of concepts from friendships to business to living your life like a legacy. And it's very easy to digest again. And a lot of what she shared made me think about my life in a different way. So I would say those two books. Excellent. Love that. Okay. Um, now I have the next question uh, stated, what life lesson have you been taught in the last year? Now, if it's been in the last month, last six months, last two years, that's absolutely fine. I just kind of want to know at least one life lesson that you've been taught or you've learned uh, with with within recent times. Oh, so many. Oh my goodness. (laughs) All the time. And they're always circling back. I feel like we never fully learn a lesson in all honesty. We're just always learning the lessons Mm -hmm. again and again and again, going layers and layers deeper. But I would probably say that one of the biggest lessons, I guess, that I'm leaning on right now, because it's come up in conversations over this last week, is that it's, it's kind of twofold. So one, social media is a massive illusion. It's not real life. And the things that we see are so, are so curated and, and polished and perfected. And we're only seeing what people want us to see. So it's remembering that always. And then recognizing that even though social media might look like this beautiful dreamland and even, you know, friends of mine, oh my gosh, there's beautiful content and they're sharing the highlights and wow, that girl's trip looked amazing. When we get into the behind the scenes of the life, one, it's messy. There's all sorts of things that happen. People are humans. They're real. They're going through things. But then two, it's so much more rewarding and meaningful, like the real life aspect of things. So as an example to this, me and a group of my friends went to New York for a good friend's wedding in February. And we got some great photos at that wedding, really cute photos. We all looked pretty great group shots. And we posted those on Instagram and that absolutely was a part of the wedding. And there were so many beautiful behind the scenes moments of us all just sitting there in our pajamas, talking, laughing, staying up till way past our bedtimes. There was moments of me crying and us getting in little arguments. There were moments of just all of us breaking down and crying over different things. So, so much messiness. And I personally much prefer all of those moments, the meaningful moments to even the most beautiful photo that we post on Instagram that we want, you know, everyone else to see, okay, here we are together having fun. That actually isn't as, I guess, fulfilling and meaningful as those 
moments when me and my friend got in a fight and I started to cry and then we resolve things. And then my other friend hugged me. Right. And now we're all closer together. Even though that's all messy behind the scenes, I find those are the moments that really matter. So when we can kind of just step away from the illusion of social media, what everyone posts there, and then get more involved in our real lives, that's where we just recognize we're all in this together. We're all human. Nothing is perfect. And that messy, those messy moments really, they're so much more fulfilling. So I think that's a big lesson that I just keep telling myself because I still all the time go to the perfectly curated aesthetic Instagrams and think, oh, I need to look like that. But then it's like, what's the point in looking like that? You know what I mean? It's not, it's not real. It's not really what you want at a soul level. So I would say that overarching lesson is something that I'm always thinking about and have definitely stepped into over this last year. Hmm. Okay. I want to, I want to pull back a layer from, from, from that, because I think this is a, obviously a a very, uh, you know, relatable topic to probably everybody that's going to be listening to this in terms of social media. And it's, it's here for the rest of our lives. So for you personally, Shannon, when it comes to social media, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, uh, do you have like boundaries for yourself? Do you have like time limits that you put kind of on for yourself in terms of how long in a day or a week or a month you're going to spend on social media? If so, expound a little bit on some of those boundaries, please. Cause I think, uh, you know, this is, um, something that, that is important for all of us to recognize. Yes. Thank you for this question. I absolutely do. So I have a couple things that I do. One is similar to, you know, I shared that morning routine I go through. I don't check social media, email text messages until I'm all the way through the end of that. So that's one big boundary of, I won't check anything until after I've dry brushed, gotten my clothes on, and now I'm going to go on a walk or eat breakfast. And then I'll typically start with checking in text messages and then maybe go to social media from there. So that's a big boundary. Another boundary is about an hour before bed. I like to make sure I'm all shut off and I'm not, you know, looking at things. Another boundary is I don't do social media in my bedroom that's a huge boundary that I hold is I'm not on social media. I'm not doing social media when I'm in my bedroom. That's just my own space. And a lot of times I'll put my phone on airplane mode when I'm in my room and definitely while I'm sleeping. So that really helps. And then when it comes to just being on the app, I have those time limits, 45 minutes a day during the week. And then 15 minutes on Sunday, because I like to spend as little as possible on Sunday. I mean, ideally it's no time on Sunday, but I will check in on Instagram and spend, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes on there. So those are some of my boundaries. And then outside of that, it really is around the biggest thing I notice is, okay, if I'm spending too much time on this and I'm too in the social media world and, or I just went down a rabbit hole of comparison, I will catch myself and then go turn to something that'll help me feel like myself again. And oftentimes that's talking to a friend. So I'll voice note a friend or call a friend or something like that, just to bring me back to my reality and bring me back to what's true, which is this person isn't better than me. I don't need to feel bad about myself. This isn't real life. I don't need to be so connected to this. So that's what I have to be mindful of is just recognizing, okay, when I've spent too much time, how can I come back to my center? And again, like we shared earlier, ground myself. Yeah. 
Now, the flip side is, from my personal uh, perspective and opinion, uh, social media can be a great tool. Um, it, it can it can be used in a, in a very positive way if if the the user so chooses to use it that way, right? So my question, I guess, to you, Shannon, is have you found social media, specifically probably like Instagram, to be something that you've utilized to to grow your coaching business, to connect with humans, to you know, to to bring some positivity into your life? Because I know even, you know, I reached out to you through Instagram for for this uh, conversation. So for for on my end, it's 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 used for positive with the podcast. So um share a little bit on that, please. Yes, absolutely. That's another thing I really like to speak to. I was actually, I interviewed a girl for my podcast, a young woman, she's 23, a couple days ago. And we were talking about our mutual love for Instagram and because we love it for reasons just like that, Quentin. I think it's an amazing tool for connection. It's an amazing tool for spreading your messages. You can plug into resources and information and people that you might not otherwise have access to. So I think focusing on the good elements is important for me. I love seeing what my friends are up to people like you. We don't live in the same physical area so we can stay connected. I think that's a really beautiful aspect of it. So I think there are beautiful aspects and I think it's, it's up to us to say, okay, how do I want to utilize this? And is it a positive in my life? And let me keep allowing it to be a positive notice when it's being a negative redirect, but yeah, to your point you reached out to me, we got this going and now here we are. And I've done that with so many people. I've made my friends through Instagram, just messaging people. I'm in a brand new area. So finding people in San Diego now via Instagram has been helpful. And I would say it can really help with connection in a lot of ways, but then we just really want to get off the app and and into situations like this, where now we're on zoom and we're actually connecting as humans because that's what it's all about. But I think it is a really good tool. Now, uh, quickly here, in terms of business, have you found Instagram specifically or social media to be a, a positive and, and helpful in growing your business or not necessarily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good part of the question. Yes, 1000% I have. Absolutely. People, I clients will message me on Instagram and we'll chat back and forth in messages and then switch over to a Zoom call or email Yes, I definitely get clients on Instagram. I think it's a very good tool for growing your business, for also serving people because you can go in stories, you can be very authentic. My biggest thing is I want to be as authentic as possible on my Instagram. And I think, you know, when you are that, people can feel that. So sharing tips and information and behind the scenes and making it encouraging and uplifting and warm and inviting, I think it does give people a behind the scenes look at a business owner. And then they get to really feel into, oh, do I want to work with this person? Let me build a connection with this person. So yeah, through messaging and just building relationships on Instagram, where maybe somebody tells me they liked a podcast episode, and then I nurture that relationship. And then turns out they join a program of mine. I think there's a lot of benefit when it comes to to that for businesses. And yes, I've that's a huge way that I build business. Awesome. Okay. Kind of the final question for... Uh... The conversational uh, starter, so to speak. Uh, do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? And if, <laughs> and of course, if there's more than one, feel free to share. <laughs> yes, I have a lot. One that I really love that I'll share is "This too shall pass." 
that one actually, interestingly enough, that conversation I brought up with the young woman, her name is Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. Maybe she'll listen to this. We talked about that in the same conversation. We talked about social media because I shared this mantra with her because I think, you know, the human experience is filled with so many different emotions and they're not always uplifting. And so anytime I'm feeling freaked out or sad, anxious, worried, I'm in a situation that maybe I don't really want to be in. I'll remind myself this too shall pass. Or maybe if I'm feeling depressed, I've gone through mental health challenges before. It's always reminding myself, okay, you've been through so many dark, painful emotions. It's always shifted. So anytime I revisit those moments, just reminding myself this too shall pass in an hour, in a day, in two days, in a week, you will feel totally different. You'll have a different perspective. You'll have moved through this. So I'd say that when I lean on all the time, this too shall pass. Hmm. Powerful. I love that. Now we're going to kind of transition Shannon into uh, your, your backstory, your upbringing, your childhood. Cause uh, I just love digging into guests uh, childhood and upbringing, because I believe that uh, as adults, uh, we are in large part, you know, uh, you know, today who kind of influ- influenced us in terms of adults in our lives growing up, right? That doesn't mean we have to be those adults, but um, a lot of us are, you know, uh, who we are as adults because of our childhood and upbringing. So talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, Shannon, like where you grew up, talk about um, what your childhood was like. Um, I want you to kind of take us up to about high school. And then I want you to kind of stop there because I want to transition to post high school with some questions at that point. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So start with just talking up to high school. Yeah. Just talk about like, where did you actually grow up? Uh, Parents, siblings, sports. What was Shannon Keating like when she was, I don't know, a little girl. (laughs) Honestly, probably really similar to now, (laughs) but Yeah. I mean, I've always been a very, very curious kid. I remember growing up when I was really little, my dad would say that my favorite question was why I would always be just him pushing me in the stroller, asking more questions. Why, why, why I want to know things about things. Why is this that way? Why is this that way? So very curious, very inquisitive. I grew up in Maryland. So on the East coast, my, what's really cool about my upbringing is that I have a home builder as a father. So my dad did not go to college. He actually went straight. I think he tried for maybe a semester and it wasn't for him. So he went straight into construction at 18, 19 years old and then worked his way up in construction to working for a home building company and then transitioned to starting his own business, which is a custom home building company. And he's been involved with that for 20 plus years now and has really built a really cool livelihood for himself and It's been something that I know me and my sisters always looked up to growing up was my dad's creativity and his homes and just seeing my dad as an entrepreneur running his own business was really inspiring. So what's unique about my upbringing is I moved houses every five years or so because my dad being a creative custom home builder had new ideas, wanted to build a new house. Like that's his passion, his, his, his hobby, his livelihood, his creativity. So again, every five years or so he would build us a new home and we would move. So I lived in four different homes throughout my childhood in the same area though. This isn't moving States. This isn't moving towns. I mean, we moved from one town to the next town over, but then we lived in 
three different homes in the same neighborhood, which is a really small 2000 plus person neighborhood. So that was cool though. Always having your dad build your homes and really have a nice home with different touches and creativity. Grew up with two sisters. So I am a middle child, three girls. It was a household of women. It was my mom, three girls, and my dogs have always been girls. And then my dad. So there's some of that. My mom's a nurse. So I think I got a lot of the caregiving tendencies of mine from her. She's been a nurse her whole life. She did OBGYN nursing and then went into school nursing and she just retired. So her and my dad are now traveling. And then, yeah, growing up, very curious, very friends focused, very relationship focused and was very athletic, loved to be outside, do things with friends and family, talk on the phone, sports. I mean, I played all the sports. I did soccer. I did basketball. I ran cross country in high school. I tried just about everything. I did swim team, running, all sorts of things. So very active, very social. And I would say I had a very you know, middle-class upbringing, privileged in a lot of ways. We grew up Catholic went to church, would always do family vacations with our families. And yeah, that's just like a little behind the scenes of, of my upbringing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in regards to your relationship with your sisters, what, what was that like? Yeah. So we're all just about three years apart. My parents definitely (laughs) planned, planned that one out. So I am again, the middle, my older sister's about three and a half years older than me. My younger sister is exactly three years older than me. So we're born just two weeks apart. We're pretty much exactly three years apart. So there's three to four years in between each of us. And I would say growing up, definitely classic looked up to my older sister. She was the older one, very responsible, very much looked up to her probably until, you know, high school, college, then she went off to college And then me and my younger sister, interestingly enough, I don't know why, but we always got lumped together. So we had to share a bathroom, our entire upbringings until I think I got to high school. We finally stopped sharing a bathroom. But prior to that, we had bedrooms with a bathroom right in the middle. We would fight like crazy. Oh my goodness. We would embarrass the the crap out of my mom because we just didn't hold back anywhere we went. We didn't hold back. We would fight. We would yell. We would hit. We would just create chaos. My poor mother was probably like, you girls need to stop. Remember we she like put us in the car and go run an errand and we would set the car alarm off inevitably. Like we just would just go at it. And that was probably until the shift I feel like happened in our relationship, probably when I was end of middle school, going into high school. And she was still in elementary school. And I've always been super protective of her because she's my younger sister and we were still all close, but we still fought a lot, but then something shifted and we just became best friends and became super close, hanging out together all the time. And we would spend all day Saturday together, going on bike rides, going to the gym, going to whole foods, getting lunch, just doing everything, watching TV. And we just spend the whole day together very, very close in that way. And then she ended up following me to, we went to the same high school. She followed me to college. So always I was a senior when she was a freshman. Then we had a few years when she kind of needed to really step into more of her own person or independence. So we kind of branched apart a little bit and now we're super close again. And my older sister just got married. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit about 
the three of us. Okay, cool, cool. Now, uh, academics, uh, we're going to get into college and you studied some pretty uh, hard stuff in my estimation in college. So uh, I'm assuming <laughs> academics was something that you excel at, or maybe, maybe not just touch on that for a quick minute. You know, I've always been very naturally smart in all honesty. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I honestly have been a very smart individual my whole life. I was in, I don't know what they do in elementary school where you have like the top math class and whatnot, you know, the little levels. I was always in the top classes. There was even a point when I got accepted to a gifted and magnet school. I remember in third or fourth grade. And then there was a point when I got this scholarship for playing cornet and instrument, but I turned them all down because honestly, I felt like I didn't, I didn't want to like, not, you know, where you're so worried about fitting in. I didn't want to seem uncool or weird or anything like that. So I feel like I kind of toned down how smart I was and just kept things good, but I did well. I was smart. Again, I was always in those higher classes, but my parents didn't put a lot of pressure on us. As far as grades go, they honestly didn't care. As long as we were doing well, they were fine. And I was actually the one, and I don't know why this shifted, but something shifted probably again towards end of middle school into high school where I just got really into grades and being a perfectionist. I wanted to get into a good college. I wanted to do really well. I learned about, oh, there's a 4.0 and you can do better than a 4.0. I want to do better. And it was all this like self-motivation that kicked in around, I want to get straight A's. I want to get the 4.0. I want to get the 4.3. I want these things to be really done well. I would study so much, spend so much time learning different things and interestingly enough, again, my parents honestly didn't care. Like, of course they liked that I did well, but when I would come home being like, Hey, look at this, I got all A's. It, it didn't phase them. And I, I recognized that I was like, okay, this is interesting. My parents really don't care. I don't have a lot of pressure, but I want to do really well. So again, it just all came from me, but I would say I'm naturally smart. I knew how to do well in school. There was definitely a certain subjects that I did not like, and I would have to work really, really hard in them to get good grades. And then there was other ones that came more naturally to me, but again, it was a combination of, I was smart naturally. And I worked really hard. Like I remember being in the basement, studying for hours after school. I took things very seriously. I didn't slack off. I would read the books. I would do the assignments. I did them all in my own unique way. Like I was a little bit of a procrastinator, but I still did work really hard. I do remember that aspect of high school and definitely college. I was studying so much in college. Hmm. Now, before we kind of transition into post high school, Shannon, what, uh, all of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us, you know, once we kind of get into those teenage years and we get into high school, we kind of start at least thinking a little bit about what we might want to do when we get older or when we quote unquote grow up. So when you were a teenager, did you have some thoughts of what you want to do or be? And then once you graduated from high school, how did life kind of unfold for you in, in that regard? Yeah. So I always say this because it's, it's really true for me. I've always known that I'm here to help people. Mm. That has been so crystal clear my entire life of, okay, you came here, you are here to help people. You feel the most fulfilled helping people. Every single job I had when I was younger was always helping people. It was either a camp counselor or a babysitter or 
a lifeguard. It was just always around helping others. And I remember in high school, I I went through my different passions and phases. At, At one point, I really wanted to be a therapist. At one point, I really wanted to do nutrition. At one point, personal training. At another point, I remember really wanting to be a photographer and take pictures of people and captivate, you know, their beauty in that way, makeup artist, help people feel really beautiful about themselves, esthetician. So there was always just this people focus. And I would just say I've always really leaned into what I'm passionate about. I've never been shy around, okay, I'm interested in something. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to listen to podcasts about it. I'm going to dive into it when it comes to a business. Okay. I'm going to turn it into something business-wise. Typically I am somebody who turns my passions into my business. And I've done that in a number of ways throughout my time being an entrepreneur. So yeah, to answer that question, I think the helping people has always been a North star and then it's evolved in different ways. And going to college, I was very clear that at that time I was really enthusiastic about health and wellness. I was also very enthusiastic about fitness. And so going there, I majored in biology and psychology I wanted to major in kinesiology, but they didn't have that at my school. So I did biology and sustainability and psychology, knowing, okay, this can kind of help me with nutrition, fitness, people. So that's kind of the path I paid for myself there. And uh, you went to the University of Denver, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, being a Maryland girl, East Coast, how did you find yourself in uh, Denver, Colorado? Yeah. So that also was just my own intuition. I feel one of my best friends growing up, Emma, her family, half her family was from Colorado. So growing up, I mean, we were always hanging out and I just remember hearing about Colorado from her. And I think she probably told me a few times you'd really like Colorado. You need to look at Colorado. So when it came to looking for schools, everybody, I mean, almost everybody from my high school, they all looked at East coast and and Southern schools. That's much more common. So I did that. And then the one, one area I looked out West was Colorado. I researched all the schools in Colorado and on paper, I liked the sounds of DU, DU in all honesty. It was like on paper. Okay. It meets this many size kids. It's near a city. It's near the mountains X, Y, and Z. So I applied. And then when I got into DU, I cried. I was so excited. So then when I went and visited and just experienced Colorado for the first time, Denver, the sunshine, the city, the parks, I knew I wanted to be there. So that's how, that's what brought me to the state of Colorado and DU specifically. Okay. Now, once you kind of got into to college, Shannon, what was your overall college experience like? And then, um, I mean, was there like some personal maturing? Were there some difficult times? Like just unpack that a little bit in terms of like kind of that, that four years of, of college. Yeah. I appreciate this question because I, I do life coaching for teen girls and especially women in college because there's so much in college. I mean, you're leaving your parents, you're living on your own, which sometimes can be really exhilarating and fun. And then sometimes it can be really scary. And for me, there was, there was many different things. So I don't know if I shared this in the last episode we did, but I had an eating disorder in high school and that was really challenging. That was a huge challenging part of high school because I was very insecure. I put a lot of my worth in my body. I lost a lot of weight. I felt validation because of it. I got really controlling around food. 
And so going into college, there was this conversation with my parents around, okay, you've been seeing therapists. We think you're doing better here, but we're about to send you away to college on your own. Are you going to be okay? Are you going to spiral back into the eating disorder? How are you going to be? Are you going to be supported? So they really wanted me to see therapists. I went to college. I saw the the school counselor once or twice, didn't resonate with them and didn't go back. And I also didn't want my new friends to think of me and, and think of eating disorder or think there's anything weird about me or wrong with me. So I kind of just, what I like to think of is I took all of those insecurities and the body image judgment I was still going through and the disordered eating and I put it under a rug. And I very much identified as the healthy friend. And in some ways I was, that's where it's a little bit confusing for me. It wasn't like I was fully in an eating disorder, but I still felt like I needed to change my body. I was still very body aware. I was still very restrictive with food. So part of me was passionate about food and wellness. And then part of me was taking it in a very unhealthy direction because I didn't have worth on my own. So there was a lot of insecurities that I still had to overcome in order for me to actually have a healthy relationship with food and body image that I have today. So in college, I would say there was an internal battle happening for me around food and my body and really being passionate about it, but then still being kind of restrictive and feeling like I still had to lose weight and finding my validation and my looks when it came to guys and dating. And so I had a lot of that going on behind the scenes. I also had cyclic depression going on behind the scenes. And what was challenging for me, Quentin, which is why I'm so passionate about helping young women now is I didn't open up about this to my friends. Again, I didn't want them to think differently of me. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know how to talk about these insecurities I was facing, even though now I know they were all facing their own battles. We just didn't talk about it. We were all going through things, but I also went through cyclic depression. So probably once a year I would have a depressed episode. And the only people who knew about it were my family members. So I would lean on my younger sister or lean on my dad to kind of get through that. But that was another kind of shadow throughout college for me. And then the last thing that was challenging about college was the whole navigating friendships. Because I remember when I first went to college, I buddied up with a group of girls all in my same building pretty quickly. And it was like, oh, okay, I have friends and we're going out together and we're drinking and we all have nicknames for each other. And okay, I did it. Like, whew, I've got my friends. I feel safe. And then a couple months in, I had a falling out with one of those friends and the whole group turned on me pretty quickly. And it was really scary to go from having this group of friends to all of a sudden them kind of icing you out. And that was scary my freshman year. And I remember just being really resilient and I had a couple other friends I leaned on and then made a new friend group who was just more kind and loving to me. And then I remember sophomore year was when I really found my solid friends. And one of those is still my absolute best friend. And all of those women are, are just good souls. And I would connect with any of them today. They're really beautiful, like women, But that was a little bit of a challenge, just finding those solid friends and navigating issues with friends. But then outside of that, I I really did have a good college experience. Once I found my good friends, I was able to take advantage of the opportunities at DU. I joined a CrossFit gym and really enjoyed that as an outlet. I lived with my friends. I had a couple of boyfriends that, you know, taught me a lot when it comes to just dating and relationships and I would say overall, even though behind the scenes, again, there was those struggles, 
I was still able to have great experiences with studying abroad, with connecting with individuals, with taking really cool classes. I took a coral reef ecology class at one point and got scuba dive certified and then went to Mexico with a group. So there were a lot of really cool, like once in a lifetime experiences that I got to have, but then the behind the scenes of struggling again, that's what I help women with now because all college women are going through it and there's not really the resources in school. So that's what I kind of like to provide is what they're not really getting from their classes. But I would say that was like a taste of my experience. Now, uh, I want to ask you, if you don't mind, Sharon, uh, Shannon, what was your specific eating disorder? And then yeah. also the the body body image stuff. This is a conversation I just had with a, a female guest on the podcast uh, last week. And it, you know, through all the podcasting I've been doing for almost uh, five years now, like mostly with female guests, a big part of their story is this, this struggle with body image. Right. And, and just like I said, with the last episode with the, the female guests, I'm going to say it again. Like when I was uh, a tween and, and in my teens, and even I think up to this point, there can still be some struggles for me as a guy with, with body image. So I always want to make sure I'm clear that this isn't just a, a, a lady or female thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of guys uh, that struggle with it too, but Again, with all the conversation with the ladies in their story, at some point, a lot of them, I'd say the majority of them have some sort of body image issue. So what was your uh, eating disorder specifically? And then what was kind of like the specifics of your body image struggles, if you don't mind touching on that, Shannon? Yeah, I really appreciate you asking that, Quentin, and just opening up the space as a male for for females to share this, because it honestly breaks my heart when you say that, because it just is the truth that And I know it's not just females. I just know it's all females. I have not met one female who has not struggled with body image throughout her life. And the severity ranges. Some people, it might be a big insecurity that really weighs them down. Some people, it might just be a fleeting thing that comes and goes. But again, I can say that with a lot of confidence. I have not met a woman who hasn't gone through a battle or a challenge or an insecurity when it comes to her body. So again, I appreciate you just speaking to this and and talking to various women about it. For me, the eating disorder, it started as me putting myself on a diet. And the intention was I wanted to lose weight. Why people put themselves on diets. I was 15 years old and I wanted to lose weight because I thought that again, I would be more desirable by men, if I was, or boys, you know, you're 15. Um, if I had lost the weight, so I put myself on a diet. It was like January, got the magazines, a lot of some women's health magazines, and just started to follow all of the dieting advice. I weighed myself. I would weigh myself once a week that turned into once a day. I would follow the advice. I was still working out because I was active. So I did cross country and I was active in that regard. And I quickly noticed shifts. I mean, after a week, after a month, after a few months, I lost weight and I lost weight easily. I realized, oh, I can actually do this. If I change what I'm eating and I restrict and I control, I can lose weight, which was a new concept for me, having grown up just with a very similar body type my entire life. And then, of course, I felt like I was getting validation. People were complimenting me. I felt like I got more attention from boys. And who knows? if it was just more because I felt more confident and that's why I got the attention or if it was really because I looked that different and more attractive to them, I don't really know. 
but I definitely just felt like I was getting more attention, getting the validation. And so that intention of losing weight spiraled into the eating disorder. And so, you know, name wise, it would be anorexia and then bulimia, because what would happen was I just was essentially eating such little amounts of food. I was so restrictive. I just kept wanting to lose more and more weight and it just ended up being, okay, so I'm this much weight. Okay. Let me see if I can lose three more pounds and be this much. Okay. So I just kept lowering the goal and I got super thin. I think I was like 114 pounds when I was at my lightest, which is really thin for me. I'm like five, seven, five, eight. I have a very athletic build. So I was very thin and I wanted to maintain that and stay at that weight and even see if I could get even lower than that. So it just became this kind of obsessive pattern of control and restrictive restriction. And then anytime I would eat something that I felt like was bad or I'd eat too much, or I'd go out with friends and I'd be hungry after, and so I'd be drunk and I'd eat I would make myself throw it up or anytime I would drink alcohol with my friends, I felt like that was bad and I would make myself throw it up. So it was a lot of right, wrong, good, bad, black, white. And if you're doing anything that's wrong, then you've got to either throw it up or do better tomorrow, restrict more. And it was this battle that I was in. I do just want to, you know, emphasize the trigger warning for anyone who is listening because I can speak about these very matter of factly now with not a ton of emotional energy in charge there because I've overcome and healed from this, but oh my goodness, when I was in it, it was so painful and isolating. And just, I remember being around boyfriends and I didn't want to eat in front of them. I remember this one specific experience where I was so hungry. My stomach was rumbling. I had my boyfriend over, we were watching a movie in the basement in high school And he kept mentioning like your stomach's rumbling, go get food. And I literally wouldn't eat in front of him. I think I went upstairs and got like snap peas, like sugar snap peas. And that's all I would eat. And he's like, what's going on? Like, you're clearly hungry. And I just wouldn't eat in front of him. And then I think he went home and like, maybe I ate, who knows, but things like that, where there was just a lot of insecurity wrapped around food and body. And I, I didn't have a healthy experience with it. And growing up, I saw a lot of dieting culture. I saw a lot of like yo-yo dieting, yo-yo weight loss, weight gain with my family members, especially female family members. So I took a lot of that in and yeah. And then once, what was the next question after that? I can't remember. Um, I don't know if I can remember either. (laughs) (laughs) Just your, your specific eating, your specific eating disorder. And then let's see, what was the second part of that? Um, I know there was a second part. Yeah, there was. I don't know. It's all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's we'll just do with the, 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 your eating disorder and food and stuff. So that's, that's, that, that, that's, I, that's, that's great. That's a, you know, you, you touched on that. I want to, in order just to kind of like, uh, I mean, you, I know that you and I could have a conversation for three hours, but for the mm-hmm. sake of just kind of, I don't want to jump over things, but just getting to some more specific topics. I want to kind of move forward. So we kind of touch on the the college experience, right? Now Mm -hmm. I want to kind of touch on what I know from our last conversation on a podcast was, you know, a very pivotal uh, shifting point in your life. And and you kind of referred to it earlier, this, uh, when you, when your self-love journey began, right? Mm -hmm. Now, again, just for everybody that's listening, like, I remember, uh, you know, when we had our last podcast conversation 
and and I want you to kind of go in this because I, I go in this direction and, and talk on this because I know that this is a big part of the beginning of your self-love journey. But you talked about having this, you, you were in this relationship with a guy and you loved him. And then you 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 ended that relationship, you broke up with him. And for me at that point in my life, and I think still at this point in my life, I don't necessarily fully understand that, how you can love somebody so much and then end that relationship. But that's why I love you talking about this because it's it's your story, right? And and there's so much to learn from it. Um, and I think that's very uh mature of you to be able to do that at that point in your life. But I know from our last conversation, that was like a big turning point in your life. So kind of starting at that point, Shannon, will you kind of talk about that relationship and how mm -hmm. maybe that was the beginning of you uh, learning how to love yourself and getting into life coaching and all the things? Yes, definitely. I know. Actually, I do remember now that I think of it after that conversation, you being like, Shannon, do you think yeah. you'll ever be with him again? Yeah. And I'm like, no, Quentin. No, it's like, well, I, how do you know? I was, like, I was blown away. I, was yeah. like, we, we, I think we probably talked for like an hour after a two hour podcast. It's like, but Shannon, like, I don't get it. And you're like, well, yeah. and I, no. I don't think I still get it, but I, 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 I want to learn it. I want other people to hear it. So just yeah. touch on that, please. Yes, I will. It's a, it's a really good point. Cause yeah, I remember you're like, but you love him and he loves you. So <laughs> why don't you get back together? And I was like, because it's not that simple, yeah. but I do want to speak to it. And I appreciate this, this segue because it does kind of segue. And it also, it also kind of goes, you know, transitioning from this, the eating disorder, the food and body image challenge into actually starting to heal from that and learn how to love myself, this man. So I met him right after I graduated from college. He was, I think six years older. So he had a lot more just groundedness, a little bit more life experience, which I just really appreciated as someone who's a very old soul. And he, we were friends for a solid year, which was really good for me. We worked at the gym together. We went at the gym together. We were friends. We'd have long conversations and we just had a nice friendship that then evolved into us dating. So we had a nice foundation with one another. We started dating and I remember what really catalyzed me wanting to love myself was seeing how he loved me. It was seeing how he looked at me, how he treated me. I could say anything to him. I could be so vulnerable. I mean, he was one of the first people that I really started to open up to around, hey, by the way, I had an eating disorder and I'm still healing from it. And I have a lot of judgment in my body and I always feel like I need to lose five pounds and I judge this and that, and I'm insecure and I compare myself and all of these things, all these vulnerable things that I was not talking to people about. He was a very safe space for, and we'd have these conversations and then it wouldn't face him. And he like still loved me after. And it was like, oh, okay. So I can share these messy parts of me. I can share the insecurities and it doesn't change how you feel about me. It's like, no. Okay, cool. And you still love me. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because a big thing in my journey is that my love and my lovability is conditional. It's based on, again, what my body looks like, how well behaved I am, what my personality is like, what I do for others, who I am for others. It's not just, okay, Shannon, you are lovable because you're you and you're lovable in all of these different aspects of you. You're lovable no matter what mood you're in no matter what insecurity you're experiencing, no matter 
what achievement you're experiencing, no matter how much money you're making, no matter what your body looks like, no matter if you're feeling sad or happy, you are just lovable. And that is the truth. That's been something that's been really tough for me to actually believe about myself. And I'm still working on that over this last year. I've been really peeling back the layers of that because I was still placing my lovability on how much money I'm making on the, you know, the the things I've achieved on my personality, on all of these things that, yeah, maybe they're extensions of me, but they're not actually me. And so that's been a whole journey, but this going back to this relationship, he unconditionally loved me and I could experience that. I could see it. I could feel it. And it really inspired and motivated me to do the same for myself because I saw, okay, this man looks at me this way. He loves me this way. He's not running away when I tell him about the quote unquote unsavory aspects of me. I want that for myself. I don't want to judge myself so much. I don't want to beat up my body anymore or feel like I'm not desirable or whatever it happens to be. I don't want to be swimming in the, the lies of my inner critic. And so that catalyzed me. Okay. I want to, and I need to learn how to love myself. And there was actually one tough conversations I had with him, multiple conversations, but one particular conversation where I remember I was just swimming in body shame. I was on a family beach trip. I was just down on myself, worrying about people judging me, which nobody was judging me. Everyone's worrying about themselves and their bathing suits. They're not worried about me and my bathing suit. You know, everyone's like in their own stuff, but I was so just worried about it. And I was just crying and I had a little meltdown and he just looked at me and said, Shannon, you are on a family beach trip and everybody loves you and everyone's having a good time, but you're in here and you're crying down on yourself. You're missing out on your life. You're missing out on connections and you have to figure this out. And he walked away and I just thought to myself, he is right. I do have to figure this out. So then that was the next day when I made the commitment to learn how to love myself. And that just catalyzed my journey. I made that decision. I said out loud, I'm going to learn how to love myself. I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do this for myself. And so I can help other women do the same. And that was just the, you know, drawing the line in the sand. I'm going to figure this out. And then that catalyzed the whole path from there. Hmm. Okay. Now I want, if you don't mind, how did you uh, approach? Uh, Cause if I remember correctly, you, you kind of ended this relationship with this gentleman. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. Okay. So, so how, how did you, how did you do that? I mean, did you guys sit down like two grown adults and, and have a conversation? Like walk us through that. Cause I, I think this is important for everybody to hear because we live in this social media age, the texting age where, and, you know, uh, ghosting and just all this garbage in terms of relationships. And mm. I think it's important for us to explore, which we're going to get a little bit more into this in a, in a, in a couple minutes, but I think it's important for us to explore, like, how do we end a relationship? How do we healthily end a relationship? And maybe you did it the right way. Maybe you wish you would have done it a different way, but I want to kind of start moving in a direction of healthy relationships and exploring this with you because I'm, I'm fascinated by this in, in my own life. Yes. I love, I love this. Yeah. This conversation we're going to head into in this question too, because yeah, there's a lot happening with ghosting and lack of communication and just lack of respect for different individuals. That really breaks my heart. I've experienced it personally, and it's just, 
not okay. So I didn't do that. This was a serious relationship of mine. And I, like I shared in the last episode and that, you know, I really loved him and things were really good. There was nothing wrong with the relationship. I just had a little bit of an epiphany in all honesty that he wasn't my person. And I'm definitely a romantic individual. And I do believe that there are soulmates. There are people, there's somebody for everybody that you really desire at a soul level to commit to. I've seen it again and again and again in friends of mine. I just feel it very intuitively that maybe you don't have one particular soulmate, but I do feel you feel that soul resonance with somebody and the desire to commit to them if that's in your path, which for me, I want a long-term relationship. I want monogamy. I want that kind of soulmate energy and that feeling of, oh, this is the man my soul is going to commit to. And I realized I didn't feel that in this relationship, even though he taught me so much and he was so wonderful and we had beautiful chemistry and there was nothing wrong. I needed something different than him, than what he was able to provide for me. And I feel I needed a little bit more time single in all honesty to really get to know myself, love myself single as a single person, just deep in my relationship with myself, not with him by my side. I feel I needed that as part of my journey. And I also just felt like there was somebody else for him. That was a big part of it was I'm so intuitive. I'm, I'm very intuitive. I can just like see vision so clearly. And I just saw him with somebody else that wasn't me. And I know what he's so passionate about and interested. And I know how he likes to live his life. And I was like, we are just going down different paths. What I want, what you want is not the same. And I see somebody different for you. And I see, I don't know who's for me, but it's not you. And I just, I know this. So it was really tough to have these conversations and share with him because it was almost seemingly overnight. We were going to travel the world together. We were good. And then it was me talking about needing space and feeling like we needed to break up and that I wasn't sure about him and all these different things. So it was very tough. I took a week of space to make sure, not a week, sorry, a month of space to make sure I was very certain about the decision. And I went on a retreat to myself. I did a lot of introspection. I talked to therapists and different healers and coaches and whatnot, came back together with him for, you know, one final night. And after that woke up the next morning and just knew in my gut, this is over. And he felt it as well. And so we had the conversation. We hugged goodbye. We took one our separate ways. I think it was a couple months after that we stayed in touch a little bit. I mean, I drove him to the airport, dropped him off for the holidays. He did some healing work on his own. He went to these, this series called Landmark where he just learned different things and called me and did self-forgiveness and, you know, different things and involved me in that process. And then we chatted on the phone about a year later for a couple hours, just catching up and at that point, I, I could feel a little bit that he was still kind of holding on. And so I knew within myself, I need to set some boundaries here because we're never going to get back together. And so we said goodbye. I, I went on some traveling trips and then kind of kept the space between us, told him I didn't think it was a good idea for us to meet up in person again. And then I think about a year later, he found somebody and now he's married, which is really cool. I saw that on social media. And honestly, the woman he's with is just perfect for him in so many different ways. And it's exactly what I visioned for him. So that's really beautiful for me to see of, okay, he found who I felt like he needed to be with. He's so happy. They got married. They go on backpacking trips together. They do workouts together. And 
thank goodness, because if I hadn't ended it, he wouldn't have found that person who's so much better for him and I'll find my person. So that was a little bit about that. And then just when it comes to, cause I do like to speak to this because I am in the place where I'm starting to date again and connect with different people. And I think a big thing, a big lesson I'm learning is I can only control how I show up to situations and hold my energy in integrity and be very communicative and clear with people. And then my lessons are in not taking things so personally, recognizing people do ghost, people do just not communicate well. And that's kind of outside of my control. But what is in my control is I'm not going to ghost anybody. I'm going to be very communicative. I'm going to be very clear. I'm going to be very myself. And as long as I approach the situation in that way, the hope is I attract that energy back to me. And anybody who's not doing that, I just, I don't have the patience for, I don't have the availability for, and that's their own journey. But I would say, I don't think it's okay that we don't communicate. I don't think we learn how to communicate things. I think there's a lot of people not wanting to hurt feelings or reject someone and they just don't say anything. And at the end of the day, I'd so much rather somebody tell me, Hey, I'm not really feeling a vibe here. You're a great person, but I don't feel like this needs to move forward than to just ghost and say nothing. I think it's more hurtful to say nothing because then there's all this unknown. So I'm just doing my best at being really clear and communicative at people and just trusting the same way with this ex of mine, me ending it allowed him to find his person. I trust that in dating now of if somebody isn't feeling it with me or I'm not feeling it with them, well, there's somebody else out there for one of us and both of us, honestly. And so to have that image in my mind really helps me trust the whole dating process. Do you feel like uh, going back to social media and and things like that? And and uh, I want to get to your uh, podcast. It was uh, you just had an interview, I think, with somebody this week, but I think it was maybe two weeks ago. You talked about uh, sharing my romantic dream before it's a reality. We're gonna get to that, but before we do, uh, I know you mentioned like dating apps and stuff. Possibly you were exploring maybe getting back on dating apps, getting back in the dating scene. Now, do you feel like? the social media world we're living in and with the, the dating apps and all that, you feel like there that has hindered uh, relationships and hindered like what we would call maybe the, the dating process and, and communication. If so, how, how have you kind of seen that unfold Shannon? Yeah. So that's a great question, Quentin. I'm very new to dating apps in all honesty. I've I'm on hinge right now. I just created a profile yeah. Hinge. That's a, that's, so, a, that's, a, that's a good one. It's not, it's, I, I've, yeah. I've that. it's, it's not too bad. So what's so interesting is like, even last night I was talking to a friend I was like, Oh yeah, I matched with this guy on hinge. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is literally become part of my language right now. I matched with this guy on hinge yeah. that just came out of my mouth, yeah. but it's, it's kind of fun, you know, just like try it out, see what it's all about. I've, I've got some friends. I actually have a male friend here who's a good friend of mine and he's on hinge and he's been on for a while. So he's been helping me navigate because I am such a sensitive person. And so you go on an app like that and you're like, oh my God, there's like so many people and you're like shopping for guys and there's all these messages and you're just exposing yourself to so much, Uh, right? It's a whole whole nother ball game. It's like a whole nother ecosystem that you have to learn (laughs) as an adult. So yes. And there's like, there's so much about it and you could be talking to so many people at once and you just you never know. It's like, if someone gives you a rose or a like, it doesn't mean it's going to turn into anything beyond that. There's, there's just like, it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. You know, you just, yeah, you're kind of opening yourself up to a lot. So 
having intention, having discernment, I think is really important for me. This is, I've been on the app once I met a guy, I went on it again. I met a guy and then this is my third time. And I feel like I'm just approaching it with a lot of, you know, I think it's important to approach it with just non-attachment with just openness, but also discernment around, okay, I'm on this because I want to show life that I'm open to connecting with somebody it could happen on this app. It could happen elsewhere, but I'm very open and, you know, create your profile. This is about me. I'm putting myself out there and, you know, the best light possible with what I can. And then just connecting with people. I think, you know, just going back to, I feel like similar to social media, I don't think dating apps or hinge is like a horrible thing at all. Similar to Instagram. There's a lot of positives. My sister just got married and she met her partner on hinge. So many people do it. Of course they do because it's a, it's an app to help people meet love. So of course people are going to meet love on there and they're setting it up as intentionally as possible to really help people who are serious about finding people connect with those people and be able to see different aspects of people and know pretty quickly, Oh, would this be a vibe? Would it not be a vibe? Do they have aligned values? Do they not? So there's a lot of benefits in just, if you're open, you want to connect with people and go on dates. This is a cool way to do. So I feel we've got to take the power back and really be intentional with it. So that's what I've been doing is okay, I'm going to be very intentional. I'm very clear that I'm, I'm here to connect with like good, interesting men that are aligned for me. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I, I don't have the energy to entertain because one, that's not helpful for them. It's not helpful for me. So I'm just really approaching it with my intuition, with discernment, trusting my gut around the different connections, kind of leaning back, seeing where it goes, because I've had some different experiences where, for example, this one guy I thought it was going somewhere. We were voice noting. He asked for my number and then just never heard back from him. And I'm like, what the hell? So sorry for my language, but like literally what, like what, why don't you just say you're not, you're not interested. Why do you have to just, you know, it's like, I gave you my phone number. Yeah. People are just giving their phone numbers around all the time nowadays, but still like I gave you my phone number and now you're just going to completely not say one thing when you've been voice noting me and connecting with me for the last week or so. That's really weird and very rude in my mind. I'd so much rather you just say, Hey, I'm actually not feeling this. I'm not going to actually text you. Just let me know. Don't leave me hanging now. And just wondering if this guy's going to text me or not that just, you feel crappy about yourself. And so I went through that of just taking it personally, feeling bad about myself, all these different things, talk to different friends of mine, Again, talk to friends who've been on Hinge before and they're just reminding me this happens. It's not personal. It's not about you. So I kind of like pulled it back from there. And now it's just kind of, you know, you connect and and you want to stay open and treat people as humans, but there's also a little bit of a weariness around, okay, this person could just not respond at any point. They could be talking to 10 other people that they're more interested in. You never really know. So it is, it's a really good tool at just, staying strong in who you are, trusting what you want, being yourself, being communicative, being friendly, being open, and then just kind of seeing where things progress, but being less attached. So that's been my experience with it thus far. And then I just have to be mindful of, I check it maybe once, maybe twice a day. I sit there, I go through the matches. I go through the people a little bit, and then I have stop a, a step away go about my daily life. I'm still open to meeting people in person. So that's kind of been my approach. And I feel like that's what's worked best for me. I don't necessarily feel like I need to get off it right now because I've had a few negative experiences, 
I'm also not super excited about being on it. It's just very neutral at this point. It's a tool. I'm open to using it. I'm open to meeting cool connections on it. I'm also very open to meeting guys in person. So I think that's, that's kind of my mindset on it. And I've come to that place after just some unsavory experiences after like crying, you know, when that guy didn't message me after I gave him my number, I'm like crying in my meditation the next morning, just like, wow, now I feel crappy about myself. This is not fun at all. So I'm someone who very much learns through experiences. So just having a few of those experiences, you kind of lean back and you learn, and then you do better next time. Mm. Okay. We're going to transition into uh, your podcast, which is called Unmasked and Open-Hearted. Um, I want I want to start there. So, uh, you know, why did you start uh, the podcast? Uh, talk a little bit about the name of the podcast, because that obviously, if anybody knows you, that that fits who you are and who you're becoming. Uh, and then we're going to get into uh, uh, the 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 romantic dream before it's reality episode. But before you go there, talk about why you started the podcast. Why'd you name it Unmasked and Open Heart? What's your kind of your, your heart or your goal or your uh, focus for the podcast? And then um, you can kind of stop and then we'll, we'll transition into uh, that specific episode. Yes. Okay. So my podcast, thanks for giving me some space to talk about it. Like you said, Unmasked and Open Hearted. I started it during COVID. So the fall of 2020, I started the podcast and it's a space where I share very openly, very authentically, the personal, I guess, stories or personal experiences, if you will, that I'm going through. So some of that episode you just talked about, I talk about my experiences, how I've overcome things, lessons I've learned, tools that I use myself that I share with my clients. So I have episodes on things like healing my relationship with food, healing my relationship with my body. I talk about mental health, overcoming depression, I'll also talk about things like, you know, this whole dating, opening up my heart again. So I'll share those personal experiences in just my own authentic way and always trying to just express myself and help inspire other people out there who might be going through similar things or have gone through similar things. And then I do interviews. And I also, in those, I really like to hold space for people to share about their stories and get their messages out there and be open-hearted and, and, and vulnerable and real and just touch on different topics like self-love, body image, mental health, emotions, relationships, spirituality, entrepreneurship. So a variety of different topics, but I would say, you know, self-development probably being the central theme or self-love being the central theme. And then this most recent episode that you're speaking to, and I'm so glad you listened to that. That was cool when you, yeah, I, I, when yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I had to, I was like, oh, I'm going to have, we're going to, we're going to, we got to go deeper. Yeah. And I, I was like, I mean, oh. Before you go there, before you go there, I just got to say this. I, I got to, <laughs> there was one part that I, I was laughing. I think I was like brushing my teeth and I was listening to it. <laughs> this part, I just, I was, I was just laughing because you talked about, uh, you talked about like, you know, when you see like a, for in your situation, a guy, <laughs> Uh, you know, and in my situation, it'd be, a, it'd be a, a lady, but you know, like seeing if they have a ring on their finger and like, uh -huh. kind of like in, in your head, like going through that process. Right. Because like, you know, I'm in my mid going into late thirties and it's just like, when you get to my age, it's like most people are married or in some sort of serious relationship. And like, there's just certain boundaries I'm not crossing in, in my own personal life and things like that. So it's like, it's like, you know, do they have kids? Like it's just so I was like brushing my teeth and you were kind of talking about the ring thing. I just like I was 
I, I, I was cheesing out a little bit, but go ahead. Talk, just talk, t- touch on why, first of all, you, you shared uh, this romantic dream before it's a reality. And then uh, just walk us through a little bit more of you opening up your heart to, to dating and wanting your yeah. life partner and all that, because again, this is a topic I really wanted to, to kind of dive into with you, Shannon. Yeah, no, it feels so good that especially you as a male listen to that and it was well received by you. That means a lot to me because yeah, we all are in this together. And yeah, the ring thing is so real. I mean, yeah. I talk about that with all my friends who are single and, and males too. It's a thing that we do and you just kind of, yeah, you, you kind of train yourself in that way. And then when you're meeting someone and they mention their partner right away, you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're taken, you know? And so it's just, a, it's funny that single culture aspect of things. And okay, so I I wanted to share this particular episode. This is one of my most recent episodes because a number of things. One, I have opened up in my podcast over the last year or so. I'm just on this journey of, I mean, it's been a progression of, okay, I have this desire and I'm going to be open to this because anytime we've experienced past hurt or pain, it's really scary to open up our heart again. And even though I was the one who ended that last relationship, oh my goodness, did I go through so much painful heartbreak after it ended because I loved him. We were best friends. I didn't want it to end. I just knew intuitively it wasn't meant to continue. So I went through a whole year of healing from that, getting comfortable being single again, loving myself as a single woman, just as Shannon. And I'd gotten to this point and then to have this desire of wanting a partner by my side really scared me and kind of freaked me out and felt very vulnerable. So I worked through that enough to the point of, okay, now you're going to date again. You're going to open yourself up to this. I had a few negative experiences, but all for learning and just for helping me grow and heal and, and keep evolving. And then most recently I recognized, okay, this has kind of been a central theme of my life over the last year or so of just desiring this partner, opening up to men again, connecting in these ways that I haven't done in a while. And I feel like there's so many people who wait until they've achieved the goal, the dream, the vision to then share about it. And they're sharing from like the top of the mountain, right? Oh, I have this relationship. I'm with my soulmate. Now let me share about how vulnerable and uncomfortable and lonely and messy and challenging it was the journey getting here. Let me preach from the top of the mountain versus when you're still climbing up the mountain, venturing the mountain, right? The mountain being an analogy, let me be open and transparent and share what I'm navigating. So I did it with that in mind of, I don't have a partner. I am still single and I have this desire and I'm holding this vision and I'm just letting it be something that's there without, without it needing to have any serious energy around it. It's just, okay, I'm living my life. I'm doing the things that make me feel good. I'm connecting with people. I'm building my businesses. I'm focusing on my health, on me. And with all of this, I deeply desire a partner. And I'm very clear about that. And this is a deep dream of mine. And it feels like it's going to make my life feel even more fulfilling to share it with somebody else by my side. So that was kind of the reason why I wanted to share it was just, I'm in this place. This is exactly where I am. I don't know who this is. I don't have him by my side and I don't want to wait until I do to express, to share, to get these messages out there. Because I feel like, I mean, you're, you're a perfect example 
there's so many people who are in this position and also people who are in, who were in my position who maybe have the relationship now and can really reflect on what it was like to be single. And you're still content. You don't feel broken. You don't feel empty. You don't feel like you need desperately another person yet. You desire to have a person, a very specific person by your side in your journey. So I really wanted to speak to that, to liberate myself, and then to just share that message with other individuals too. Now from your podcast, uh, you said that this, so, so this sharing my romantic dream before it's a reality, you, you did a podcast episode on it, but in this specific episode, you said that you actually had like a, a speech written out titled this and and you you shared it in front of a group of people that was kind of like the catalyst i think for you to actually turn it into a, a podcast episode to discuss it so talk about um the the maybe the 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 fear the the anxiety kind of some of the emotions and feelings that you had to go through to stand up in front of other adults and share this very vulnerable uh desire of yours if you don't mind Yes. Yeah. I, I forgot all about that part. Yeah. That was a whole, a that's, big that's why part. I'm here to remind you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big part of it. So I did. So I wrote, I wrote, and that's something that's been really helpful for me just emotionally wise, because I would say like, I'm, I'm super content. I'm a very content individual and I'm so I'm independent in that. Like I can do my own thing. I can entertain myself. I'm self-motivated. And so there aren't all these moments when I'm sitting there just feeling like lonely or just wanting someone there, but they definitely do pop up. And so in those moments or when maybe I'm feeling, you know, even for example, when this guy ghosted me the other day, when I'm in those feels that are just sad or lonely, or I'm feeling low self-worth or I'm desiring a partner really bad for whatever reason, I found that writing really helps me and just journaling or typing things out in a Google doc. So it was one night, particularly probably six months ago when I was just in that desire of, oh my goodness, I had an amazing day. I joined a new gym or I I tried out this new gym. I made a new friend. I did, you know, I took some steps around this business endeavor that were really scary outside my comfort zone. I got fresh groceries. I'm sitting here and I just want like a man by my side to talk about all this with and share all of this with. And so I was deep in that desire and put on some music and wrote this whole blog post about it. And then the next step was, wow, I feel like that was an expression of my soul. I'm going to actually post this on the internet. So the next step was I posted on a platform called Medium and just posted the post out there and shared it on Instagram. I got a lot of good feedback from people just saying, wow, that was really beautiful and well-written and we could really feel your heart in that. And so then the next step was... I read it out loud as a podcast episode. So that was a short and sweet podcast episode where I just read it out loud and that felt really liberating and almost like just sharing it with the universe. And then it came time this last month to do my next speech in my Toastmasters club. And it was just in my head, Quentin. It wasn't like I had just like strategically planned this. It was just, oh my gosh, this is, this is all that's in my head and my heart and my mind. I can't write a different speech because I don't want to write a different speech. There's so many topics I could write a speech on, but for whatever reason, this is what's there. This is what feels most alive. So I'm just going to write about this. I'm going to get outside of my fears around it. And it, it was a little bit of a progression. Like I shared with a couple of friends. I think this, I'm thinking about doing this as a speech. And so many of them were like, yeah, obviously do this. Talk about this. We love this. This is vulnerable. Go for it. And then, you know, 
in writing it, you go through the whole, oh my gosh, I'm going to share this in front of people. I went through so many things in my mind around, will people make fun of me? Will they think I'm a hopeless romantic? Will they understand me? Am I going to be able to be up there and say this? And all of these thoughts and stories and fears around what are people going to think of me when I share this part of myself. And so I had to work through a lot of that. And then how I got the courage to actually speak it in front of my Toastmasters club was I practiced with a couple different individuals. I practiced with a male friend of mine who was really great. And then I practiced with a female friend of mine who was equally wonderful. And they just gave me feedback. They helped me tweak the speech. I got the male's perspective, the female's perspective. I got more confidence around it. I practiced it a ton. And so I felt ready when it came to actually just delivering it to the audience in person. I felt like I'd memorize the content and I could really just show my emotion and do my best. And for me, it was more, I'm doing this for myself because this has been a big dream of mine and I want to liberate it and just put it out there and show myself that I can do this in front of an audience and just let go of what anyone thought about it. And honestly, it was very well received as far as I know by everybody. Nobody gave me anything negative. Nobody made fun of me. I mean, it's not like an audience where people would make fun of me, but I let go of that. I was like, if anyone does make fun of me or they don't like this or don't resonate, it's genuinely okay because this isn't about what other people think of me. This is about a desire of mine, a dream of mine, that I'm just going to put out into the world in front of people. And that's very liberating when you do that, correct? And not just you, but us as human beings, when you put something out there that is, you know, vulnerable, there's fear, maybe anxiousness surrounding it. But when you just open up and put yourself out there, so to speak, or put something like that out there, it's, it's freeing. It's, it's, it's liberating. It, it sets us free, correct? Absolutely. For me, it almost, not that it made the dream less of a big deal because it's still a big deal. This is a tangible human and I value humans and and myself, but it did liberate the energy around it in a way of, oh, okay, now this is out there. People know it's a thing. I'm single. I'm open to meeting my guy. It is what it is. It did liberate a lot. It made it just yeah, diffuse some of the energy around it. And I feel like it felt very freeing. And now it's just trusting in the the process and the timing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I want to ask you this, uh, Shannon, we'll, we'll start finishing up here in a, in a bit. I just want to touch on a few more things, but in terms of, uh, uh, stepping into a relationship with a significant other type person, right. Um, from my perspective, it's very, very, very important to know who you are as an individual, as a human being, to have like a very solid, firm grip and foundation on like who you are, right? Before you would enter into a serious, uh, you know, long-term relationship, because I'm a, I, 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 through personal experience and just through observation, I feel like so many people get into relationships, right? And I'm, again, these relationships I'm talking about is like, you know, uh, you know, like significant other relationships, dating type relationships, things like that. I feel like a lot of people get into relationships and when they don't know who they are, when they don't have a solid, firm grip and foundation on who they are and what they want and all of that, um, if the other person maybe does, uh, one person kind of gets sucked in uh, to kind of the direction that this other person is going or, uh, you know, one person maybe just like, this other person becomes like they're everything, right? And then you see this breakup and people become suicidal, people kill themselves. Like people have these like 
crazy experiences after a breakup. And from my not personal experience on that end, but just from my observation is that it's because they didn't know who they were. They were putting their self-worth and everything that they were and are in this other human being. And we're all faulty. We, 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 uh, we're all imperfect, right? So that already is, is not a good starting point in terms of a relationship. I see it all the time. Um, so my question is, and kind of the point I'm trying to, you know, have you expound on Shannon is how important is it to know who you are, to know what you want, to have a solid foundation before you would step into an intimate relationship with another human being? Mm, that's a really wonderful question. And I think it, I think the answer changes because I think everybody has their own journey. So I will speak for my journey and probably a journey that's similar to you where personally, absolutely. Yes. I think it's been incredibly important for me to have a strong understanding of who I am before entering into a relationship. However, I just do want to speak. I know people who met somebody when they were 18 years old or 19 or 20 and you don't know who you are at that age, but you just happen to meet your person or your partner. And so you're going to get to know yourself with them by your side. And I think that's beautiful. And that's some people's journey. But again, speaking to my own personal journey, I feel it is very important. And if you're in a position like you and I are, where you can get to know yourself and learn about yourself and understand different elements of you and know right? Know your intuition, know your gut, know what is good and healthy and okay. And a yes for you know, what isn't know your boundaries and also just know when you're being authentic versus inauthentic. I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's very easy when we're connecting with someone in a romantic setting to start to kind of sway on our boundaries or do things that they want to do or be open to new things or get lost, you know, lose ourselves a little bit. But I think the skill really is in can I come back to me and can I know what is okay with me? What feels good for me and what doesn't, can I know what I need to do to actually fill myself up and fill my cup up? So I'm not completely reliant on that other person to do it for me. So for example, for me, it's really important that as I enter into a relationship, I'm still doing all of my self-care practices and my routines. I'm still connecting to my friends. I'm still putting energy into my business. I'm still putting energy into my family dynamics. I'm still putting energy into building a community here in San Diego. So I know the things that are so important for me to still put energy towards while putting energy towards a relationship now. And that can really help just people know, okay, what do I value? What's important to me? How do I fill myself up? And how can I make sure that I'm doing this as I interact with somebody else? So that, you know, everyone says, okay, they're, they're the bonus, right? They're the, the whatever cherry on top. And I just feel like they're there to help you be an even better version of yourself so they can really enhance things. But at the end of the day, we're all self-responsible and we need to know how to take care of ourselves and fill ourselves up and know ourselves deeply so that we're interacting in a way that's just going to benefit ourselves when we bring somebody else in. We also know how to, you know, check ourselves because- we are the most important person in our lives because we're just, we're us and we're always with ourselves. But yeah, I would speak to, I just, I agree in a lot of ways. And I do think it's, it's really helpful and important to spend that time with yourself. If you have the capacity to, if you, if you are single, you haven't met a person yet, or maybe you're in a relationship that you feel like needs to end and you need to set out on that path. 
I think it can only make your life better and make you feel more grounded in who you are as you venture out there. And then from there, you have a much more clear lens around who is genuinely healthy for you or not, because we can get really caught up. And I know I've done this so many times of just you're dating a pattern or it's like, oh, I'm really attracted to him, but is there anything really there? Or I'm dating him because he reminds me of this person who I wanted validation from when I was younger, right? Whatever it is, we can date people that aren't actually good, healthy, grounded for us. So I feel like when we get centered in ourselves, it really helps us to recognize when we're interacting with somebody who maybe actually isn't healthy for us. Maybe they give us the dopamine or the validation or some type of physical attraction, but they're actually not good for us at a deep level because we know ourselves and we know who actually is good for us. Cool. Okay. Now this is going to be a fun question because I very vividly remember, uh, I was supposed to, uh, I was living in Colorado Springs at the time and I was supposed to come up to Denver and help you and one of your friends move. And I think it was, I, I had something to do with a cell phone. I, I, I went to go get a new cell phone and it like took like three hours at Verizon or something. And I, I didn't, I wasn't able to help you guys move. And I felt bad. So I was like, Hey, I'm still going to come up to Denver. I'll, you know, buy you guys dinner or something like that. And we went to a Whole Foods in Denver. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. okay good. <laughs> so, so, and then, uh, do, do you remember who, 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 what was your friend's name? I can't remember her first name. Hannah. Hannah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You and Hannah. And so we're sitting there and I don't know how we got on this topic, but you guys were very, uh, firm in like, it being, you know, okay. And you guys were open to, uh, like you guys as, as ladies, like pursuing or asking a guy out. Okay. You guys, <laughs> you guys were like basically tag teaming me. Cause I'm like, no, I was like, that, that's not how it works. That's crazy. That's weird. And you guys are, Oh no. And I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm not going to win with these girls. You know? <laughs> um, now I'm bringing this up because on your, your, uh, uh, sharing my romantic dream before it happened or before it's a reality episode, you you said uh, that you 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 would like to have a guy pursue you. Like that's mm -hmm. kind of the season that you're in now and that's something that you desire. So from the Shannon with Hannah <laughs> that said, hey, the, the girl can ask the guy out and pursue the guy to where you're at now. I just, I when you, when I was listening to that episode, I, I remember that and I was like, I just, not to like, call you out, but just to, we, we change, right. And we evolve in different seasons of life. And I just want you to touch on that Shannon and where you're at now and just share that please. Cause I, I just think it's kind of fun and uh, <laughs> <laughs> good catch. Oh my gosh. I have to be mindful of what I say in front of you. <laughs> no, it's just because it was, it left it in between. I was like, no, these girls are crazy. That does that's not that's supposed to happen, but Hey, you know, to each their own. Yeah. No, it's a good question because I also think from a male's perspective, conversations with my guy friends and just males, you know, in, in dating scenario, it's actually really confusing for guys now around what do I do? Do I do, do I say hello? Do I ask for a number? Is this creepy? I, I get it. And I empathized with it. Like there's a lot of confusion for guys around it. Do I have to, you know, always pay now? Do I do X? Why do I, there's just, there's a lot because we're just, in a space of much more equality and then, you know, roles are shifting and not everyone subscribes to gender roles and everyone has their own opinions and preferences. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've evolved in that. I think what I'm clear about now is 
I will definitely show that I'm interested in a guy. Absolutely. I'm not going to play games and pretend I'm not interested because that's just confusing. And I'm not in that place in my life. Or maybe when I was 20, I would have like played some games. I'm not into that anymore. So I feel really clear and really good about showing a guy that I'm interested if I am interested and being clear there. And then my preference, which is what I shared in that episode is that he takes the initiative to actually ask me out. And like I said, pursuing, because it just feels good. It's more of the feeling of just more of that, like masculine versus feminine energy of, I feel really good leaning back and having somebody clearly be interested enough to ask, to put in an effort, to be consistent there. And those are qualities that I really want to see in my partner. So I want to see that at the start of a relationship too. Again, is he communicative? Is he clear? Is he very interested? Is he going to put the effort in? Is he going to show up? Is he going to be consistent? Is he going to be reliable? I'm looking out for all of those things. And then it just really feels good to me to kind of lean back and allow that. But again, coming from a place of I'll be very clear that I'm interested and I'll lean in too, but I want us to be leaning in together. And I also speak to that because I've been in a couple of these different scenarios over the last year or so where I felt kind of confused of, is he interested? Is he not? It seems kind of like it, but I'm not quite sure. And so I'm just clear of like, okay, if that's going on, he's not clear. He's actually not interested. So I'm going to wait until somebody's actually interested and they're, they're, they're showing me through their actions. And then I get to receive that, like feeling good and feeling feminine in being asked out and I, I do like the gender role type of things. I really do of the opening up the door and the paying for the first date and driving. And I like all of that stuff. I think it feels really good. I have no issues with it. I know some women do, but I, I genuinely don't. I really like it. Uh, okay. So how does a guy, so, so you're talking about, you know, a guy. So, so this whole thing of playing games, right? I think probably on some level, a lot of us do that at different points in our life, especially hopefully it's when we're younger and we mature when we get older, but there's, there's older people that play games too, but getting past all of that, how, how does a guy from your perspective and, and, and obviously you have girlfriends and you guys talk and all that stuff. How does a guy, because you're right, Shannon, like it, I don't want to say it's confusing, but like, it's like, okay, if I'm like on Instagram and I see a cute girl, right. I'm like, okay. Then you kind of like start I'll call it investigating to see if they're married and all that stuff. It's like, okay, you find out they're single. There's some sort of physical attraction. You you like on Instagram, it's like, you can kind of get a feel for people. Uh, even though it's, you know, not necessarily reality, but you can get a good vibe, all this stuff. So you kind of go through all these checklists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to the point where you want to express that maybe you're inter- interested. And let's just leave it through like a dating app or like, you know, Instagram, because that's, let's just be real. That's where a lot of us are spending time. Maybe that's where we're connecting with a lot of people. We see something we might be interested in and then it goes from there. But how does a guy from your perspective, how, how do we express interest without, you know, being weird or, you know, just, you know, I don't know. Um, trashy, so to speak. How, how does that happen? How, how do you receive that if a guy's interested in you or how do your friends like uh, respect it when a guy shows that they're interested? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And it also just does speak to what where we're at in modern times of the Instagram and the social, social media and the dating apps. I feel like the 
best, best thing to do is, you know, if you're worried about right being creepy or all these things, it's just, okay, just don't be creepy. And then it's like, okay, well, how do I not be creepy? I, I really feel like if, you know, if I'm in that situation and a guy were to find my Instagram and be interested or hinge, just be very clear and communicative and direct. And you just say something simple, like, Hey, I stumbled across your Instagram or even on the hinge bio, you seem like a really great person. I'm interested in getting to know you. How's your day going? I really feel like just being so clear, direct, not coming across too strong is good, but being forward in, and I don't think it's, you know, it's not the best to say like, oh, I find you really attractive. I mean, yes, we like to be complimented on our looks, but I think going more into, you seem like a great individual. You seem very interesting. I like X, Y, and Z about you. If you can find specific things to highlight, that's always nice in a bio or on Instagram. Wow. It's so amazing that you are interested in X, Y, and Z. I find that fascinating asking a question from there. I think going from there, just opening up a conversation in a very direct communicative way is amazing. And even if it's, you know, I think it goes both ways. If it's not well-received, it's not personal. It's not about you because you were, you were clear, you were, you know, direct. It came from a good place. It was well-intentioned. You're looking to connect and it's whatever she's going through. Maybe she's had bad experience in the past and she's just being triggered and, or it's just not a good fit. But I find, you know, if I got a message like that, I would respond with a lot more intention and thoughtfulness and kindness back to the individual. If I was interested, I would be thrilled. That would be an amazing thing to receive. If I wasn't interested, I would take the energy and effort to connect with the person and to, to share that and communicate back. So I think it's a win-win no matter what. And I would just, yeah, I would advise just the clearness, the sincerity, the compliments, and just being direct. I think that we get so wishy-washy and, and the wishy-washiness, especially from men, women want clarity and directness from men. They don't want to wonder, is this man interested? The last thing we want to do is wonder if he's interested, especially if we're clear that we're looking for a partner. If we're in the place of games, yeah, maybe we want a little bit of the game, but if you're not in the game, which I feel like most people listening to this aren't in that place, they're in more of a mature place in their lives. We don't want to wonder if he's interested. We want to know he's interested in me, whether it's the initial conversation or it's setting up a date. Okay. He's interested. He's reaching out again to remind me of the date. Okay. After the date, he's reaching out again. We want those checkpoints because that really reassures us. Cool. Great uh, information <laughs> and advice. Okay. Last two things. And then we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Shannon, um, so the last time that we connected, uh, uh, it was in Colorado. You were living in Denver. You now, it uh, sounds like for over a year or close to a year, have lived in San Diego. So my question is, uh, why San Diego? Why did you decide to move? Um, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, I've got one kind of last thing I want to touch on, and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah, this has been so fun. I know we could definitely talk for three hours. I'm like, let's <laughs> yeah. keep going. So, okay. So San Diego was also similar intuition to Denver. I came out to San Diego during COVID for a couple of weeks. It was actually Hannah who we referenced in that conversation. Hannah and I came out here and we stayed with her parents. Actually, I stayed in her family's guest home. She stayed in the main home with her sister and her parents. We quarantined all together because our lease was ending in Denver. And I had the idea of let's go to San Diego and quarantine there versus just the two of us here. 
So we did that. And while I was here, that was 2020. I just fell in love with it. It was the first, it was the second time I'd ever been to San Diego. The first time was with Hannah in college. We're best friends from college. And I just was like, oh my goodness, San Diego is amazing. I love being near the ocean. Oh my gosh, the coastline, how I feel here. I just really, really fell in love with it. So I had that in the back of my mind as I left Denver and and ventured and journeyed onwards. And so I most recently was living in Florida because I wanted to experience, you know, I, I am single and I have online businesses so I can be wherever. So I traveled and explored. But then I just really felt this, okay, I want to go somewhere where I can actually settle roots down and, and set set some community and just feel like I want to be there for a little longer term. And so I thought to myself, okay, I know I love San Diego. I feel like I've been waiting to get out there again. So let's just make this happen. And that's what I did last summer slash fall was pack up all my stuff from Florida, move out here. I found a place in North County, San Diego, which I really like and have just made community and friends and, and building, you know, a little life for myself here. And I really, really enjoy it. So Denver, I left simply because it just, I felt kind of bored with it. It was almost like, okay, my time here is done. It's wrapped up. I no longer want to be landlocked. I went to college here and I stayed four to five years post-college and I want to be near the ocean and I want to be somewhere else. And so I just really felt that in my gut. So that's why I left Denver, even though I love Denver. Denver is an amazing place. I mean, I lived there for eight or nine years because I love it. I just really wanted to be near the ocean and just felt this pull to San Diego. Mm, cool. Okay. Now we've had a, we've had a very thorough conversation. We've, we've obviously touched on a lot of topics and stuff, but we haven't really touched on, and, and you, you've alluded to, or mentioned like working with, you know, uh, women and, and teens and things like that, but we haven't really touched on your current career. You, you mentioned businesses and online and stuff, but I want you, I want to give you the platform, the opportunity, Shannon, to kind of touch on like what your career, career is, like what you actually do, like, um, you know, what, what, what's your future plans? Like, what do you want to do with your business and businesses? Like touch on all of that, because obviously you do have a very thriving coaching business and you have other things going on. Um, I was on your website, beautiful website. I don't know who did it, but they did a great job. Um, so the platform is yours just to kind of expound on what Shannon Keating does in terms of businesses, career, what your focus is. And I also, again, want you to talk about the vision and the future for yourself in terms of career and, and businesses. Wow. Thanks. I love the vision question because I'm such a, a visionary type of person. So I love that. And yeah, website is shannonkeating.com where you can find everything. I also just recently founded a company for young women called Babes Rising. So babesrising.co for that one. And I would say my work, I mean, similar to when I was younger, wanting to help people it's, it hasn't shifted too far, but it's more, I really love helping women. I love helping teen girls specifically just because I identify in that way. I can connect to the experience. And if we boil it down, there's so many different things that I help individuals in, but it would definitely be a journey back home to oneself. So we go into self-love we go into body image, we go into intuition, really learning how to trust yourself. We go into communication, using your voice. We go into emotional empowerment, knowing how to feel and process your different emotions. And then we go into relationships with others, friendships, romantic relationships. We go into career business. I do a lot of coaching with early 
new entrepreneurs or women who have just graduated from college and really want to dive into an entrepreneurial path. That brings me a lot of fulfillment. And then spirituality is woven throughout there in different ways. I use human design. I use intuitive readings to coach my clients. But again, it's all about a journey back home to self, whether it's a woman I'm coaching or a teen girl I'm coaching. That is the compass. And there's a number of different ways I do that. As far as vision for the future, I just got Babes Rising up and running. So that took a while. It was a whole year of going through a business development program, putting together the coaching platform and community that we've created, getting ambassadors set up, getting advisors, legal, all of that stuff. And so now we're completely running. And the vision for that is that women who are in college and then their few years post-college have a community, have a home, have a safe space to develop themselves and grow as individuals. And similar to what I shared earlier, genuinely learn how to love themselves in our society. So we talk similar to the work I do. Our main pillars are around self-love, working on mindset and self-talk, mental health and emotional wellness, relationships and then holistic health. And so it's providing young women again in college and post-college with coaches, with group coaching, one-on-one coaching, with resources like affirmations and meditations and journaling prompts, and then empowering educational tools like Q&A calls and workshops on a number of different topics. We did a topic last month on female friendships. We're doing a topic on this month around trusting yourself and learning how to connect with your intuition. So constantly just bringing them with education, empowerment, and then community. So they feel like they're not alone in what they're going through. They can overcome their challenges. They can feel really good about themselves. They can feel confident in who they are and potentially start their own businesses or companies and really dive down a path that feels authentic to them at such a young age. So the vision is to continue to grow Babes Rising, to have partners with college sororities and clubs and and different organizations inside of colleges, and then really get in front of women as they graduate college and go into the real world. They can join Babes Rising and feel like they have the support and the tools they need. And then my vision is to continue to expand my podcast, but really dive into public speaking opportunities. So that's something with Toastmasters that I've just recently gotten uh, gotten into And I love it. And I want to be doing more workshops and speaking opportunities to girls in elementary, middle school, high school, and then young women in college. And then of course, women post-college, but the speaking, I definitely want to tailor towards girls, teens, and young women again, around similar topics, talking about how I healed from my eating disorder, how I overcame my health challenges, how I learned how to love myself, how to not compare yourself to other people, how to make healthy female friendships. So really bringing them just the knowledge and the openness and the conversation and the empowerment around those areas. And that's kind of where I see myself in the next, I don't know, six months to a year, really putting my focus on growing babes rising, continuing to put messages up on the podcast, obviously always open to teen clients and young women clients and then female clients, and then venturing deeper into public speaking. Mm. All cool things. Uh, and the fun thing for me, now that I've been podcasting as long as I have, like, you know, you're the first repeat guest that I've had in terms of 127 Fit and Curious and Candid. But, you know, through social media, just being able to watch some of the guests that I've had on the podcast, 
um, grow in terms of just, you know, their, their life. It's, it's super cool. So, um, last question, Shannon, and then I'll do a quick outro and I'll let you go. So kind of the tagline for the podcast is conversations with those in pursuit of more. So, uh, kind of the wrap up final question is, uh, you know, what are you currently in pursuit of or pursuing? Ooh. <laughs> Wow. Well, I'll, I'll repeat one and then we'll see if anything else comes to me because I think the pursuit of pursuing is around public speaking. In all honesty, I've done a lot of work on it. I've joined Toastmasters and now to be in the pursuit of calling myself a public speaker and going and, get, and getting opportunities, eventually paid gigs. I feel like I'm definitely pursuing that path. And then outside of that, I'll share something little because I know you're a, a gym enthusiast. I am pursuing my first pull-up. Mm. So I just buddied up with a friend of mine at my new gym, a woman named Cindy. And the two of us are going to start holding each other accountable to doing pull-up practice after every single, uh, I guess, training session. We go, you know, three to five days a week and we're going to text each other and both of us want to get a pull-up by the end of this year, hopefully sooner, but I'm definitely in pursuit of a pull-up, a body weight pull-up. That feels very empowering. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, since, since uh, <laughs> we, we could go for hours, but since you brought this up, because this is something else I remember uh, at the, the season of life you were in the last time we had a podcast conversation, I don't believe that you, you had kind of removed yourself from kind of the, the fitness scene and you weren't uh, like going to a gym or anything. You might've been doing some sort of movement, but you weren't at a gym. You weren't like hardcore into fitness because I think you needed to kind of take a break from that if I remember correctly. So yeah. now it sounds like you're kind of stepping back into the fitness scene, going to the gym. Would you just touch on why you stepped away and why you're going back? And then, and then I'll do the outro and I'll let you go. <laughs> Three hours later. No, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. That That is a really good question though, because it does tie into everything that we spoke about and just my body image journey and my self-love journey and, and ending that relationship. So I have loved exercise and sports my whole entire life and moving my body is so important for me. I think it's important for a lot of people, but I just know it's, it's really important for my mental health, for my emotional wellness. I process a lot when I move and I exercise, but that last relationship, we met at the gym. We, we were trainers together at the gym. It was such a big part of our relationship that when I did end, I almost needed, because I needed space from him and, and, you know, getting back into my own identity, I took a step away from the gym as well. I was feeling kind of burnt out. I just needed something that was separate from him. And so I just totally stepped back. And I think once again, you get to know yourself, you connect with yourself. I recognized I love lifting weights. I love group fitness. I love the CrossFit style fitness, the gym I just joined. It's not intense CrossFit by any means. It's more functional fitness. I love functional fitness gyms. And again, working out with the community and lifting weights and getting stronger. And it just feels so good for me. So I recognized as a self-care practice and a self-love practice, I need this. And that led me to joining gyms again. When I was traveling in Mexico, I joined a gym and then back in in Florida, I joined a gym. And then most recently here, I just found this gym that feels really good, like a family kind of focused gym and great individuals, very good programming, 
very much focused on getting you fit for your life, not necessarily competing or anything like that, but there's still a lot of functional fitness and different movements and CrossFit style movements, which I really love. So yeah, that was my journey and I love it. I really, really love it. So I think it's just knowing that about myself too. Hmm. All right. We're going to, we'll, we'll end it there. <laughs> uh, but before I, before I do, do the outro, um, you, you gave us your website. Why don't you give us your Instagram and any other places you want to send people to connect with you, Shannon, uh, share that with us and then I'll do a quick outro and then that'll be it. Amazing. You can, yeah. Website, shannonkeating.com. Instagram is the same at Shannon Keating. And then for babes rising, it's a little bit different. It's babesrising.co or babes underscore rising. And that's specifically for the younger women and teen girls direct them there. But then any kind of preteen coaching or teen coaching go to my website. But if you find me, you know, on Instagram or hello at shannonkeating.com, you can always connect with me via an email or via a message. And we can go from there and I can direct you to any other resources. And your podcast is available on iTunes and all the major platforms. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And it's unmasked and open-hearted. Okay. I I really appreciate your time and uh, the conversation, Shannon. Okay. Thank you. I loved it. This was great. You're welcome. All of you who are tuning into this episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say uh, thank you so very much. Um, I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. Um, if you guys want to connect with myself, uh, find out a little bit more about myself or the podcast or uh, some of the guests that are coming on to the podcast, um, you can give us a follow on Instagram, Curious and Candid Podcast. And then um, also email if you think you would be a great guest or maybe you uh, have a friend or an acquaintance you think would be a great guest for the podcast. Uh, just go ahead and uh, send me an email. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, give me like your Instagram, your social, so I can kind of do a little uh, research or uh, connecting that way. And uh, then uh, if it's an acquaintance or something like that, just give me, you know, their first and last name, their social media, so I can, again, do a little research and we can kind of take it from there. But I'm always interested in connecting with other humans. So uh, please don't be afraid to reach out on Instagram. Don't be afraid to send me an email. Um, if you're going through something, if you're struggling, if you're excited, whatever it is, um, I always uh, value, uh, again, connecting with other human beings and hearing people's stories and uh, building relationships. So please don't be afraid to uh, reach out. And again, I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Curious and Candid Podcast.